0: Hi, and welcome to the Sam Dever Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Dever. In this episode, I talk to multimedia artist and entertainer Ford Fanter. Ford is truly a -a one-of-a-kind talent whose skill set never ceases to amaze me. I've gotten to know and work with Ford over the past few years, and it's been a phenomenal experience to say the least. I sat down with Ford in Griffith Park in Los Angeles, and we had a conversation. And like that, we're on the podcast. There we go. Wow. We're here. <laughs> you're so zen right now. Like, you're just so at peace. I'm, I'm comfy.
1: Yeah. Digging it. I, I mean, we're in a park right now. This is...
0: As soon I'm as sure. I was driving up here, I'm like, yeah, this is where this was supposed to happen. This is where this was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. We're here at uh, Griffith Park, one of the most beautiful places probably in Los Angeles, and I drove by the zoo. I didn't realize that zoo was active, the one I dropped by. Drove I, oh, by. that,
1: yeah, there's a, there's the, uh, the zoo zoo, and then just up the way there's, like, the old zoo. Yeah. Which is, like, pretty fun to, you know, kind of explore that, too.
0: Can you, like, actually go in there? Yeah, you or can, like,
1: there... kind of sneak in the little enclosures and stuff and... Um, you know, it's like a, you know, nobody cares if you do, you know, mm. but it's a lot of graffiti and stuff and it's a little, mm. a little playground almost. Mm.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's good to see you, man. It's good to see like, you. It's, it's good to like, just like see your face. <laughs> like to actually see, time, see like, you. To yeah. look upon <laughs> your shining face
1: <laughs> and feel
0: oh, your glow. How have you been like? Where tell me tell me where Ford's at right now? Oh my god!
1: Ah, <laughs> that's so hard to. I feel like every time people ask me how I've been, or like how are you right now, it's like do I pick the extreme lows or the extreme highs? Because I'm mm. experiencing the, I'm experiencing them all at once, and uh, obviously I'm really stressed out about everything that's going on in the world and it's affected me in a lot of personal ways uh, and caused me to reflect on myself in a lot of ways that I hadn't been previously and asking a lot of questions about myself which is really a good thing so I'm Mm. excited about that. Uh, So it's sort of you know, choosing what I'm, what I want to focus on. Do I want to focus on the bad or do I want to focus on how much I'm going to grow from the lessons I'm going to learn from the bad, you know? So it's a kind of a double-edged sword or t- two sides to that coin. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's hard to go into, or, or it's hard to pinpoint any specific thing that might be tugging at me at any one time. Um.
0: It's interesting what you said. I hadn't thought of it like that. Uh, Which answer do you go with? Because I really do feel there are two versions of this. There's the, yeah, I've read so many books. Mm. I've worked on myself. I'm pursuing different projects I never thought I would. But then then the other thing, it's like I've questioned everything about my humanity. Right. What's Uh, my purpose in life? And not that that's bad either, but it's definitely a more chaotic, (laughs) uh, uncomfortable version.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been moments where I've really been incredibly depressed and looked at Mm -hmm. the entire world and existence and felt this sense that, like, all of it is a lie. All of it is uh, some imaginary reality that I have been kind of spoon-fed, that all of us have been spoon-fed, and it's going to come crashing down very soon. And it, if not now, it's starting to come crashing mm. down. And I mean, I think that just boils down to comfort. I think it, it, what that does is it me to the level of comfort that I've enjoyed most of my life. Cause I do meet people. I do know people that are sort of like, yeah, it's, you know, that they've never had a moment of optimistic outlook it's Mm -hmm. always been maybe not pessimistic but more realistic and uh i think i mean it gets you examining your privilege a little bit and looking at like wow i really have lived life with rose-colored glasses more Mm -hmm. than i really really realized and while for me in some ways it's like oh my god i'm really waking up to some stuff especially, it's especially jarring, you know, having lived for the last couple years under the illusion that I was waking up, you know, Mm. and then you get to a point (laughs) and you realize like,
0: oh, wait. The dream within a dream. You are, exactly. (laughs) Inception. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think you nailed it, man. Like the rose colored glasses, like a lot of us, I don't think, maybe we realized it, but it's a difference of like saying you realize it than actually realizing it like, oh my gosh, I've had it so good. Yeah. So privileged and so, didn't have to worry about so many things.
1: One of the, the, one of the things that has been bouncing around my head the most lately, I think we discussed this the last time we spoke, uh-huh. Uh huh. the, I believe that you can believe that you believe something. That's been really tripping me out lately Um, Because I think a lot of us, a lot of people operate under the assumption that, like, these are my values. This is what I believe. But uh, I wonder how often we really question, like, do I really believe this? Or do I just believe that I believe it? Do I believe that this is my belief? And uh, how much do I, like, I think there's a lot of things happening culturally. Uh, I think when you look at the idea of performative activism, which is very rampant right now, mm-hmm. uh, and I think myself included, like a lot of us have taken part in that because we, I, and you know I'm still trying to make sense of it all. I'm still trying to understand it, and uh, but I know for me personally, I've been. I've been looking at the idea of, you know, maybe I believe that I care about my fellow man more than I really do. And I wonder how dangerous is it for us to crusade under this false pretense about ourselves. Like none of us wants to admit to ourselves or to the world at large that like, Maybe we don't care about people as much as we think we do. Mm. You you want to say no, no, I do, I do, I really do. But it's like if your actions aren't showing that, then I don't think you know. It's that book awareness. I was
0: just about to bring that right.
1: up. Right, <laughs> one of my favorite bits that he talks about uh, in that book. Is when he's talking about the idea of, like, why you do things. You do things for your... Like, mm-hmm. pleasing me to please me. Yeah, you know? he's talking about charity. Yeah, pleasing you to please me. And then doing things for charity. Where it's like, I'm doing things because I, I'm going to feel bad if I don't. It's like, do you really care about it if you feel bad that you... Like, you you do something because you... That's what you do. Like, what I think whatever you do without thinking is really where your values are. And... But you also, I don't know, then that brings into question, like, because you, you, I mean, sometimes I do things without thinking. I hold the door for someone. Does that necessarily mean that I'm altruistic, or am I just conditioned to do that? You know? More habitual like, instead right, of you actually,
0: oh, I'm going to hold the door for this person because they got their things in their hands. Right. It's going to help them out.
1: Where's the real root of that? What's the real root of me holding the door for someone? Like, sometimes it's a, sometimes I'm really uncomfortable doing it. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I like hold it, you know, you do the thing where they're like a few steps behind you're holding the door awkwardly. And it's like, honestly, it would have just been easier for you to uh, just walk through the door, and it's like not, it's no skin off their ass to just open the door themselves, you know?
0: They almost feel more awkward, you helping them, than you actually helping them, because they're like, oh, well, this guy's trying, I just want to go through, man, I don't want to
1: have to say anything, I don't want to talk to this person. When I ride my bike, it happens all the time, when I get to a four-way stop, and there's a car that got there before me. And of course, I'm thinking, you're just gonna go, but they wave me through. And by that time, I've stopped. I've like come to a stop. I've put my foot down on the ground, <laughs> and they've waved me through. So now, if it's one person, if it's everyone at the four-way stop, now they have to wait for me to go, ah, like huh? And I'm like, it, you know, now I'm uncomfortable because I'm <laughs> making everybody wait even longer because I gotta get my foot back on the pedal, get my momentum going. It's like all you have to do is hit the gas and go, and you have the right away anyway like stop acting like because i'm on a bicycle i need like the politeness of like just go like don't worry about me like i i'm biking because i'm choosing to like I, I don't need that you know and it's it's the the idea of like we don't want charity we don't want people to to have this idea that they oh you know it's like i think sometimes and then this is a Another one of those things where I don't know. Sometimes I think if we really need help, we're going to ask for it. But then again, I think we're also conditioned to not ask for help. We're conditioned to feel that asking for help is a sign of weakness, and that it's, especially men, um, that that's a conditioning of masculinity and and, and you know the patriarchal structures that. Just kind of exist.
0: You began to touch on something interesting there, um, which, by the way, ten minutes into this thing, this is this is everything I, I could have wanted. Uh, you talk about the concept of asking for help, and that's something I know I definitely struggle with with the pride, with the ego. Mm-hmm. Like you said, maybe something with your masculinity. Oh, well, man, I don't, ha- I don't need help yeah. on that. But I'm finding the more I can surrender and you know attacking these things more proactively the better it is and the quicker you get over it and the more it doesn't even become a thing
1: yeah you know it's i don't know where i am with that i think i'm a lot more resistant to help than i would like to be but i i think well there's a the part of me that like knows logically that asking for help is a good thing um, but there's also that part of me that is still just kind of steeped in that conditioning. And I think it just, I think that's just uh, the overarching subject of vulnerability. Um, I think like, you know, to go back to what we were just talking about, like I think everybody struggles with vulnerability, but I think it's, Particularly a a, a struggle among men, Uh, among, you know, uh, especially, you know, like heterosexual, cisgender males, uh, you know, that ability or that willingness to, to be vulnerable. I mean, like, I could just think of times, even just in the last year, where, like, I chose to be vulnerable and I felt so much worse. Like it so and i I and it wasn't even it wasn't necessarily like the person I was relating to or, or communicating with confirmed my fears uh, extremely or, or, or deliberately or anything, but I still perceived that I it was having the effect that I'm afraid of. That this person was viewing me as pitiful and pathetic and I felt weak and I felt like it was pushing them away from me and it that increased a a level of desperation in me and i mean i think that's where the the real struggle is that like you have to be okay with yourself and i mean that's where i'm really trying to get is the 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 complete dependence on myself and my okayness with myself my 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 okayness with just being alone mm-hmm. with myself, and just knowing that, like, because it's it are so much. If if I'm healed, uh, at least some of the way, I'm still going to suffer in the sense that, like, every if everyone else around me isn't healed, I'm still at the mercy of their toxic understanding of. Uh, Communication or whatever Mm. but like I mean if I'm fully healed then it doesn't matter to me whether or not they are or they aren't like obviously I want them to be but I guess the ideal in my mind is, is if I heal then it doesn't matter what anyone else does because I'm okay with me I'm okay with being alone I'm okay if everyone else around me can't understand what I'm what I'm experiencing and decides to leave me behind but you know, obviously that I don't know if that I don't know when that happens or if that happens or how much work that takes. I'm definitely not there yet. So I'm I feel far enough along to where I can recognize moments where it would be a, a, a challenge to grow, to to practice being vulnerable. But it still hurts to do. It still is scary to do, and I still don't fully trust it. I don't trust that process all the way because I'm just not fully healed.
0: Yeah, you made me, I was actually driving over here thinking about the concept of, and it's kind of what you were saying earlier, how we say things, but we don't really maybe mean them or feel them. But the concept of, man, I really don't care what anyone thinks about me anymore. Or uh, I was doing a video in the last video series I was shooting with myself. I, I did a concept of, man, to like truly be yourself. And how many situations am I in where people are getting 80% of me, 90% of me, mm. but they're not getting, oh, this is me, like, totally vulnerable and not caring what you think of me. And it's very freeing, but it's something that I feel like I'm still not there yet either. Like, I've seen people that are. I've seen people that are unapologetically, at least maybe my, maybe my perception. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, when i i i don't know people like i'm at a point where it scares me like people who are really themselves are scary to people who aren't Mm. you know that it's it's scary because you have this sort of uh it reminds me of that episode of the office where the character kelly who's like Her character is typically very manipulative and and loves drama and all that. She's like, who says exactly what they're thinking and feeling? Like, what kind of game is that? And I think that relates to a lot more of us than we realize. Like, I've had moments where people have been, like, brutally honest with me, and it hurt my feelings. And I was like, the nerve that (laughs) you have to express honestly how you feel, and then you realize, like, oh, they're – It's not their nerve. I have the nerve to expect that my perceptions and my projections need to be confirmed or that I need to be coddled and not have it. You know, it's like, then you realize like, wait, no, I'm the, I'm the fake one. I'm the one who expects us all to function on this, (laughs) this, uh, collective idea of bullshitting each other. (laughs) Oh shit. I have work to do. This person's doing fine. You know, then that fear comes back in of like being left behind or being abandoned. And I don't know. It's like someone who doesn't have anything to lose is, is intimidating. Pure and simple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said like feeling left behind, you don't want to be that one. That's not with the group. It's, it's, it's weird because I've always been one that I don't want to, I didn't have to be with the group, but there's certain situations where, you, you just hold back. You hold back because you know that it's going to ruffle feathers or it's going to create controversy or it's going to... And I don't know. I think that I mean, just, It just shows like how much of a mental prison that... That's just one of them. That's just one of the mental prisons that exist. Yeah. You know, and it, I'm just like... <sighs> then when you get glimpses of what the world could be like, after some of these breakthroughs that take years or your whole life to even get you like oh my gosh like what world have I been living in like yeah I I, I'll bring the awareness book probably up this whole entire time we're talking because we both love that book uh, awareness by Anthony DeMello by the way but when he talks about you know the he talked about the people that were stranded on a raft two miles off the coastline in Brazil and it just so happened to be fresh water they were in oh yeah and you know they were dying of thirst But if they only knew that the fresh water was right there in front of them the whole time, and that's kind of how I feel like a lot of life is. It's like, dude, it's all there. Yeah. Like, everything's there, but we're just not in tune to it. We're just not paying attention.
1: It's fear, too, because, like, I mean, there's one bit in the Bible I know where where, you know, there's the guy who comes up to Jesus, and he's like, what do I have to do? And he's like, just get rid of all your shit and come follow me. And the guy's like, "Mm, I'm cool. It's like, dude, he told you what you had to do. You know now, but it's like it's a difference between knowing and like really understanding, you know. Like I know that if I lived a more simple, straightforward life and, you know, I know that feeding my ego is not going to end up ultimately making me happy, but I still resist. I still, you know, I, I have this comparison of like, if I go and do this, you know, give up on all the let go of all my desires, essentially. It's like you still want your desires. Have you ever had that, pers- that moment where you, you, you're so like crazy about someone, you're so in love with someone, and then the idea of not being in love with them anymore is scary? Mm-hmm. And you're like, why is that? if I'm not in love with them anymore, like, that version of me is fine. I'm scared of, be, of not being in love with them because I'm in love with them. Like, we're scared to not want because we can't even fathom the idea of not wanting. We can't, like, I, I don't want to lose this person. It's like, well, if you didn't care if you lost that person, then you wouldn't feel the way you feel now. So, like, what's stopping you from going into that it's just that pain of releasing that that the mourning process you know Mm. you're going to have to mourn it Mm. in order to get over it and no we don't want to go through the mourning process with anything yeah you know i don't want to go through the mourning process i don't want to have to mourn my career i don't want to have to mourn uh this relationship i don't want to have to mourn these parts of myself that i am attached to like even if they're toxic parts of yourself like the, the experience of releasing yourself from something is just terrifying. Mm. Uh,
0: I know this is something I've been thinking about lately, especially I feel during these times of shutdown and being quote unquote, held back. It's that mindset of when you're playing not to lose instead of playing to win. Mm. Meaning like when I'm playing not to lose, I'm afraid of the consequences. I, I don't want to lose because if i lose like you were talking about the morning it's like man like that's not what life should be like life is going to have morning it's going to have happiness i am finding when i switch my mind frame to like attacking things and like hey i'm going to go ahead and do this what happens happens even when you do quote unquote lose or something you know didn't turn out the way you think it did it doesn't hurt as much cuz cuz you you know what i mean like you're yeah. in that energy that mind frame and you
1: went for it. I mean, yeah. the energy of attacking something, and, and I mean, you're just you're you're gonna do less. You're gonna try at something in such a in a completely different way if you're going to succeed. Whether just going to go, uh, I don't know if I'm crazy about the way I word at that but yeah i mean it's just i think it's just the very basic like it's kind of a you know very simple concept that i think all of us understand that like going for something for the result versus just going for something for the experience like Mm. do it because you love it not because you want the reward at the end of the day you know and i think the uh I think the thing that trips a lot of people up i guess like especially in career aspects is that we're we glamorize the results of things we glamorize the outcomes of things mm-hmm. and so like especially you know you and i are both actors uh or have you know pursued the the hollywood grind in some way and uh i think it, it there was a point where I felt this sense that, like, this is all bullshit. Like, I don't want to do these auditions. Like, like we're all just, like, like, be, you know, clamoring at this thing we've been told we want. But I've also realized, like, some people really want that. Some people really like auditioning. I just happen to not. I happen to not enjoy it. And it's not worth it for me to, like, I don't find it a worthwhile uh way to spend my time to audition for things. I don't find the outcome necessarily worth it. And that's uh, that's the key. It's like if I don't enjoy auditioning but I like the idea of the outcome then I'm completely going after the wrong thing. I should be en- it should be the process that I like. Some people really love like having all these things to work on and grinding that way. That's not for me. So I stopped doing it. Um and it, I mourned that. Like, I definitely still kind of mourn that and, and get that fear that like, oh, I'm shooting myself in the foot. And sometimes I talk to other actors and like, are you auditioning for anything? And I'm like, nope, I haven't <laughs> done you, it. No, really. You have
0: representation. Yeah, yeah.
1: And they look at you kind of like, oh, so you don't really know what you're doing. Or like, I think it comes as a, a surprise because I mean, I I assume that I come across to people that, you know, know a little bit about me that I work really hard, and then I'm constantly right. going after auditions, and I'm not, you know? And I but think you're doing it, your own thing. Yeah, but it comes as a surprise to people, I think, because they're like, well, wait, but why, <laughs> you know? And part of me wants to shake them and be like, you don't need to do it, you don't like it, but some of them do, and I've had to realize, like, let people do what they want, and, if you know, some people, I think, feel the same way that I do. They think they hate doing auditions, but they, they want that outcome. And, you know, they'll figure it out when they figure it out, if they ever do. Um, I think I think most people do. I think, I don't know how that comes about. You know, some people like, just throw in the towel. But, like, that we've been kind of conditioned to believe that there's only one way to do anything. Yes. But I think, too, when you talk about, to a lot of people, a lot of them say there's no r- one right way. So I think a lot of us do know, at the end of the day, that you you have options. I think there's just that fear of not doing things the way you're told to do things.
0: Mm. Yeah, man, you, rem- I mean, off what you just said reminds me of so many of our conversations about, you know, the, the acting industry or just Los Angeles in general. Like you had said to me a few months back, you know, mm-hmm. it feels like in Hollywood, everyone's trying to climb this mountain
1: mm-hmm. to get
0: to the top. And I think you phrased it like, well, maybe I don't want to, get to that part of the mountain maybe I like it over here yeah you're going and that's one part for me like I love about Los Angeles I realize like just because you're out in LA doesn't mean you have to do the cookie cutter thing yeah like it's a huge city beautiful city lots of variety lots of different artists are doing so many different things and that's one thing like I respect about you is you do do your own thing you know you do film your own content you do put on your own shows and I feel that You'll have way more success by doing that than trying to do what everyone else is doing in this box yeah. over here. You know what I mean?
1: The, I mean, I just don't. Yeah, it. I think there's just some scenarios that make sense for certain people and some that don't. I don't. I don't feel that. Uh, that the traditional Hollywood route really makes. Sense to me. I mean, what is the traditional? I mean, it's just like I never got satisfaction out of auditioning because I felt like it was people who don't know me at all, who don't know what my skill sets are. That uh, I, it just I, I feel a lot of times that I've been sold short, or that like I was like, if this person really knew what I was capable of, they wouldn't be asking mm-hmm. me to do this. They'd be asking me to do this, but they don't know that, and they're not. You know, they're getting the stuff that's all inside the box. And I feel that I have a lot of skill sets that aren't, that don't fit into that. And it's, you know, people are like, well, you know, to get the good roles, you have to go through these lower rung things and all that. And I mean, I guess that's true. But like when I look at all the breakdowns that I'm getting in my email, I, I'm like, I, I wouldn't cast me in this. I wouldn't cast me in this. I wouldn't cast me in this. Like, and maybe that's me overthinking. But at the same time, I'm just like, if like, no one's going to, I, there was this great Harry Nilsson documentary and he, this quote that always resonated with me from it. He goes, I always thought people would spot in me the talent that I knew I had. Mm. And I, I resonate with that because for a while I just thought like it, it would be obvious like, oh, you could probably do all these things you know, that I knew I could do, and I kind of take it for granted that, like, you have to show people, and so for me it just makes sense to make my own stuff, because otherwise those things that I want to do are just never gonna, no one's gonna just assume you can do I remember auditioning for something several years ago, when I was back in St. Louis, and the director was working with the person who wrote it, who was also producing it, and we auditioned me for one role and she liked it and then we auditioned me for another role and she liked it and then eventually she was like oh maybe you could play both and i was like oh yeah i could and then i remember floating the idea it was a little bit like you know i was i was, I was trying something i was grasping at something i was like what if i played all these characters there's like all of these door-to-door characters that come these salesmen that come to the door it's like what if i just played them all she's like oh i'll ask the writer and the the writer came back with the comment who does ford think he is eddie murphy
0: I was just about to say Eddie Murphy.
1: <laughs> and in my mind, I was like, how do you know I'm not? Until you give me the shot. Like, I personally feel like, I mean, I, I do have that skill, I, I believe. Uh, and it's like, I'm sure people said that to Eddie Murphy. You know, like, who do who do you think you are? I'm like, who do you think I am? Who do you think I'm not? Like, you don't know me, you don't have any idea. The amount of times I've had people say, Like, whoa, you can do this, or whoa, you know, like, I, you know, I've surprised people a lot of the times, and if I just let everybody's immediate perceptions of me define who I am or what I'm capable of, I wouldn't do half of the shit that I'm doing. Mm. Um, And it's just, it's frustrating how, like, we don't believe in each other, we don't, I mean, I'm the same way. I There's plenty of people that have surprised the shit out of me where I just thought, ah, you know, I wrote them off or I thought just kind of a one note, put them in a box and then come to find out like, whoa, this person completely did. I mean, you, for for example, like, I did, not that I just didn't think that much of you, but, like, I remember when we were at Pineapple Hill and you were showing me all your music videos <laughs> and, like... You're, I remember that night specifically. Yeah, you in like the banana hammock, like, yeah, uh, with your t- the banana. tattoos and the the, or whatever the the uh, the body
0: paint, the body paint. Shout out to Scott C and shout out to Chris Levy of Pineapple Hill. Yeah, Playhouse West. Yeah,
1: I mean, like, oh, so many of us are full of surprises, and you know, we want to be we're we're at the mercy of these systems that want to put us into a box, and everyone's a little more complex than that, and. I think it's exciting when you, when you decide to start taking the risks based on what you know you're capable of versus what everyone else has decided you're capable of.
0: I have a theory and I, I, uh, I felt this in Vegas and it's happened to me out in LA here too. But I feel, because I'm from the Midwest, I'm from Illinois, and I, I immediately felt good energy between you and other people when I came to LA, but then I found out you're from St. Louis. I'm like, oh, well, this guy lives three hours from where I'm from. He's from the same realm. Mm -hmm. So I've always found, like, it's always interesting how I've always connected with Midwest people once I'm out on the West Coast. And when I hear about uh, what you were doing in St. Louis and seeing some of the films you were involved in back in St. Louis, and I was talking to you on the phone yesterday, I'm like, man, you were really plugged into that scene out there, and to me, like, I've always heard them talk about music artists in this aspect, they're like, dominate your region before you go to uh, a big city like New York, LA, something like that, and it Mm -hmm. seems like to me, like, you kind of did that, you, you at least got your footing down in a regional area that, so, could you kind of maybe take me through, like, what got you to LA, like, what was that moment for you when you're like, okay, it's time to go to Los Angeles? Because you were having success back in St. Louis where you were at.
1: Relative success. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was definitely not the kind of... I mean, I... I, you know, I wasn't getting the most high-paying jobs, I'll say that. But I do think I was getting some of the... I was enjoying some of the more coveted roles that... Or at least... I was having fun. I was having a lot of fun. I got the opportunity to have a lot of fun because people let me do things that I wanted to do, like I I was very adamant about, you know, making choices uh, and I, you know, I worked with a lot of people that I knew from film school that, you know, I, I, they were friends of mine, so they were willing to let me make some creative choices in projects that they put me in, I, I was really adamant about displaying what I was interested in doing and wanted to do and so, uh, people let me do that and and since I knew a lot of people that were good at what they were doing cinematographers and directors and you know people who are who are really doing interesting stuff I I was able to capitalize on those opportunities and and do interesting stuff and then that just kind of builds a reputation as someone who does interesting things Mm. you know I wasn't I I never got commercial auditions and even the ones I did get, I didn't ever book because that just wasn't my, you know, mid, in the Midwest especially, the kind of commercial work is a very specific look and type, but it was, that was not stuff I was interested in other than like the paycheck seemed really nice, mm-hmm. you know, so I know, I knew people who were on a certain legitimate scale doing a lot better than I was, but I was, I think, doing uh doing stuff that i liked more than any of that stuff like i was i was doing the stuff that i really liked but but at at a certain point you hit a ceiling and there's just you you have to go to greener pastures and i had always had the the inkling to move out of st louis because i just knew it didn't have enough there to uh to satisfy me you know i debated other places new york vancouver even Nashville, some you know, other markets. But I just, I think I knew L.A. was where I wanted to end up. And partially just because, you know, you just hear about L.A. Mm-hmm. You hear about the opportunities. And I had most of my friends had come out here. And um, it took me a while. I wanted to move so much sooner. But, you know, it, it was hard to save up enough money. I had car troubles constantly. I, I you know, I the, all the time I spent, Doing little weekend shoots, and you know, I never really got, I never settled into a, another type of career. I just kind of did odd jobs, and you know, always struggled to really make a lot of money. I've never really made a lot of money. I had one acting gig that was the most I'd ever really been paid, and that honestly wasn't that much. It was like a corporate acting gig, you know, doing school assemblies for kids and stuff, and it it paid enough to help me build enough of the savings to move out here. Um. But uh, I think, you know, I whether or not I had like the best paying jobs in St. Louis, I definitely had a reputation that I was pleased with. That I felt reflected what I wanted. I didn't feel the sense that like I. I know because I met a lot of people who were doing corporate video and little commercials and they felt you know there was a sense like i want to do more of that stuff that you do i want to do more of that kind of thing like, and i think the grass is always green i was always like you're getting paid more like mm. but i it's just not satisfying you know we talk to people who are getting paid and it's like yeah getting paid is one thing i'm not doing what i love and to a certain extent i was doing what i love but I also think there was a, an aspect of it that was unfulfilling, too. And I think in recent years, I've just discovered why. Because like, I still had stories that I wanted to tell and wasn't doing that necessarily. And it was only in the past couple of years when I really started getting in touch with the artist inside me more and realizing, like, this person's been chained up. like Time to let them loose and yeah. see what they can do given all the freedom you know if i if i let this caged animal out and run free like what are they really capable of doing and a lot of damage
0: <laughs> well it's, it's funny because i was gonna lead into that because and for anyone listening that knows ford uh i think will agree with me like you're one of the most unique talents i have ever seen like Thank and i Don't mean to always bow down and say that when I see you, but I truly mean it because, I mean, you act. You play, I don't know how many instruments. Every time I look on Instagram, you're playing, like, a new instrument. I'm like, he he plays that, too? Oh, yeah, another... I mean, you do improv, you do poetry, you're just capable, you these so many skill sets. I guess, oh, maybe this is, like, kind of a... You can take this wherever you want. Like, where did that come from? Like, when you know, in terms of, like were you always into that early on in your life? Like, have you always been an artist? Is this something that's kinda of butted out of you progressively? I've never really asked you, you know, like in terms of I think where it came from.
1: I've always been creative and I've always, uh, I, I I had an epiphany. I've had this epiphany a few times. It just keeps kind of cycling back to me. like uh, Because I've, in recent years, mostly in my 20s as i've kind of become more self-aware i've realized like i have uh anxiety and depression and like really just images uh, self-image issues like i uh, struggle with my with liking myself Mm. but i've realized they're like, "No, I do. I do experience self-love. I do practice self-love, and that's when I'm creative. That's my form of like doting on myself. It's like saying, "I'm going to I'm going to sit in this room for 12 hours and work on this song, and I don't have any expectation that anyone's ever going to hear it, and I don't care. I get to hear it. I get to mm live in my imagination of my this version of myself that makes music and like get to enjoy that. And I mean, like I made tons of music all throughout high school uh, that I that I never showed anybody. I mean, like I would put it on the internet and say like, hey, look, this is here. But you know, they, it never got listened to and I didn't care. because, like, I was enjoying the fact that I had done it. And it was having those little projects like they were always for me really, you know? And I always liked the idea of maybe people Enjoying them and experiencing them, but it was never really for anyone else, but for myself and That's my way of like uh, Be be, Being intimate with myself. Mm. It's a it's an intimacy, and it's very Exciting and I just I'm always I'm just so attracted to things I'm attracted to I'm attracted to really cool music that takes me somewhere emotionally and like has a cool album cover that also adds like a an image and a and a uh, a mood to the music that gives you this whole and I just all I've ever wanted to do is like well I want to do that that's cool I want to create that I want I'm going to experience what it's like to 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 ignite those feelings in someone even if it's just me even if I'm looking at it but I mean like it's also a struggle because you never really get to enjoy what you create the way others do if they do because you saw all the inner workings of it you don't get that mystery of like where did this come from like i've always joked to myself that i would love to like make something really great and then hit myself over the head and forget that i even did it and then show it to myself and be like this is," and be like whoa this is awesome and then be like so myself be like you made this and i'd be like how really <laughs> whoa this is so you know to have that mystery about it. I've always been so captivated by people who make these and you're just like, where did this come from? You know, so I've always aspired to that with, with uh, like voices and stuff. Really, it was just like I just like mimicking things. I just see things that I like and I'm like, I want to do that. That's so interesting to me. How would one go about doing that? Let me see if I can figure it out. It's a puzzle. It's, a, it's experimenting. It's science. It's, like, it's so interesting that we separate, like, art and science. My sister, my twin sister is a, is a biologist. She's brilliant. But, like, she's not just, like, a scientist. Like, she's an artist. She does, she gets to be so creative in that. And, like, I feel like a scientist when I'm, like, you know, experimenting with, like, tools. If I'm making music and I'm experimenting with, like, well, I hypothesize that if I do this, if I run this through this type of filter and do this and maybe manipulate, oh maybe I can, you know, it's like exp- you're experimenting, you're a scientist and
0: You are a scientist. Now that you've described that's you you are an artistic scientist. I mean that's
1: what art <laughs> I think is and science is like they're married to each other. They are really an exploration of something, an experiment. It's it's all comes from curiosity. And that's I think like one of one of my mentors, Ariana Bosco, said to me that like, uh, the, the really, the the people that are fascinating to us are the people who are interested, not interesting, and that people try mm-hmm. to. There are a lot of people who are aspiring to be artists that try to be interesting instead of just being interested in something, just taking what they're interested in, and. We love to watch someone who loves what they're doing. I mean, a lot of people love to hear someone talk who just has expertise. You know, you you love just hearing someone who knows something. So in and out That passions
0: contagious. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just talking about it. And you're just like, this is so fun. We, we, we want that. We want to see someone be like, I'm so interested in this that I had to explore it. And now I want to just show you what I've explored. like, Whoa. Versus someone who's like, let me show you how interesting. Because then they're, all they're focused on is like stroking their ego. And I you know, I do it to an extent too. Like I'm not free of that. I have moments where I'm down. Da- but those are the moments where I'm experimenting too and I fail. Or like I, I learn like, oh, so people don't want to see you stroking your own ego in front of them. People don't want you to try and impress them. They just, it's a connection. You want to just share something that you're interested in. and uh, I was always interested in, in, you know, in everything that was, I don't know, artistic, if you will, or like, gra- I love graphic design. I love fonts. I love uh, illustrations.
0: I love what you've been doing lately with Brianna, yeah. with the videos and the films. And the, they're they're amazing, and anyone who's hasn't seen them yet, they can check them all on your Instagram. Check I them believe. on my
1: Instagram at yeah. Ford Fanter. Check out at Brianna to the Lee. Too. Yeah, um, she's. I I have struggled to collaborate with people. Mm-hmm. I'm very self-contained. I'm very controlling, and I have. I have uh, a very specific vision for things. Mm. And so I struggle, I think, sometimes to trust other people with my vision. I think that's something I'm working on. But I've definitely found with Brianna, I don't have that issue. Mm -hmm. She is, I think, probably one of my favorite collaborators that I've ever worked with. We just have so much fun. And I think that's part of the... That's the essence of what we were talking about earlier. Like it's in, it's just fun. I mean, yes, interesting, but you're just interested in things that are fun, you know. Mm. And that's when, whenever we get together and make funny videos. It's just it's just us being like kids, just having fun, goofing off. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, like we'll we'll be at the beach sometime, or just like you know, hanging out, and we'll make each other laugh like it's a stand-up routine. Like she'll tell me stories and I feel like I'm watching like my favorite stand-up comedian. Just like, that's a rare thing. And, and so it's been so much fun to, to finally really just explore what, what our, our similar interest in comedy and, and just uh, storytelling and play. And uh, it's so much fun.
0: And it probably, I mean, probably, it's probably one of the reasons why I started doing, this Is this podcast is something I've been wanting to do for a while, and it's just like, again, there's no expectation, there's no, it just feels good to be doing something you enjoy, and I'm sure for you two, being so used to being on stage all the time, which you guys were brilliant up there when that was all going on, but like, to give you that outlet, mm-hmm. to kind of let out some of that energy and some of
1: that, you yeah. know, passion. And we had been wanting to do sketches for a long time. And and I think part of what helped us actually start accomplishing that was that when we were, uh, for one, it was just my computer was super super old for a long time. Mm -hmm. And like, I kept saying, like, I could edit it. I could edit these, but I I can't really, because my computer doesn't work. And I just didn't, so I just sort of put that out of my Mm -hmm. mind. And so we would always like be like, it was never really easy to get that done
0: yeah
1: you know uh it would have been a chore we would have to outsource it to someone who maybe just didn't have the motivation or the interest she paid somebody one time to edit one of our one of the sketches we'd shot a long time ago and i honestly like looking back i was like i can't believe that this guy like charges money for me. like i'm a, i'm way better as an editor than this guy and i've I mean, that just goes back to, like, why I'm very controlling. Uh, mm. Like, I, I've gotten I gotten I, a, a relative amount of confidence in, in my ability to, to make something that I think is going to look good and sound good or, or just is going to have the effect that I think it needs to have. And I think when we got together and made our first video and all my film school shit kicked in. Really, I mean, it's just, having spent 10 years working in movies and watching uh, my cinematographer friends and editor friends like do their thing and, and learning that. Uh, when, when we really sat down and, and made our first video, we didn't half ass it and i really got to play in that sense mm. the, the filmmaker in me became alive again and i think stripping away all that dead weight of having to like outsource it to someone else I was like it's just us two we can make it as good as we want it to be and and it can, we can do i mean we make those videos in one day you know from yeah. concept to export those it usually takes one day maybe it maybe i take a couple of extra days to tweak some music Mm -hmm. cues or you know fine tune a few things but you know they're super easy to do and
0: um. when i think at least from my perspective like all your guys training and
1: improv and all the things you've
0: done on stage and stuff there's so many little nuances through it i'm like oh my gosh they put that there like the timing of it all it's so it's one minute but it's one there's not a second wasted i guess is what i'm trying to say like Every second, like, they did that camera angle there. Oh, they did that effect here. Oh, the little—I don't know, man. They're just really well done, man. So I'm really glad to see you guys finding your path with that, wherever it takes you. You
1: yeah, know? Yeah, that's that's exciting, and it's very. Can't wait to explore it more. We're 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 enamored with this. We have no intention of stopping, and we just really only have bigger goals for the future, and and. I mean it's really I really feel like uh, I just feel not so much just that there's a goal to be had but just there's so much to explore there's so mm. much I just feel limitless I feel like we could do anything we want we, and we're just gonna keep exploring and experimenting and um, just because it's, it's just so much fun and uh, I think it, it makes me appreciate everything that I've learned and just, like, learning in general. The process of learning and, like, it kind of amazes me that there was a point when I was in my early 20s where I really just kind of had this expectation. I was like, when's it going to happen? Yeah.
0: No, I know the you know, same like, when feeling. Is
1: the, when am I finally going to get my, it's like. We're going to make it. <laughs> whoa, buddy. You haven't earned it. You haven't done shit. Like, this idea that we should be good right away. Mm-hmm. It's like, where did any of us get that idea that, like, I mean, it just feels good. It feels good to be 30 and to do things and to know why I'm doing Yes. And to be able to execute tools and know that, like, wow, I learned this. Yeah. I didn't used to know this, but now I understand it. Now I understand why I'm using these camera angles. Now I understand why I'm using certain vocabulary. Now I understand, like, what, you know... It, I was just telling a friend this last night uh, the idea of like when we were in film school all of our teachers were just like just all, all you want to do is tell a story just just try to tell the story and we were all like no I want to get my fincher shot you know like we're gonna get this kind of camera and like gonna <laughs> you know do all these cool like it was all this like bells and whistles that we were all obsessed with doing because we'd seen them done and now I'm looking back on it and it's like we have an iPhone and a crappy tripod and Everything you need. We make great content because really what we're doing is telling the story. And like there's plenty of times where we have like a funny bit that we did that we improvised that's like, oh, this is so hysterical. But we cut it out because we're like, it just doesn't, it doesn't serve the story. It doesn't really make sense for the characters. It doesn't really fit the overarching tone of this piece. Like what we're really doing is telling the whole story and not just trying to find the funniest bits, you know, and that's more enjoyable to watch. And it's just, it's, it's so cool to experience that and realize like, wow, I learned that. I didn't,
0: mm.
1: you know, I, I didn't I didn't just know that from the beginning. And it, it really makes you feel like, the last 10 years weren't a waste. They right. all were pouring into something. Yes. And, and it's such a pleasure to use skills. To like yeah. have earned the skills and then be able to use them. And be confident in them. And just be like, oh, I'm good at this. And I enjoy myself yeah. in being able to do things I'm good at. Self-love. Oh. No,
0: I love that, man. Because I feel the same way. Like a lot. Like it, it got to a point with me or it gets to a point where... You realize if a lot of it is, just are you willing to do the work? You have certain skill sets, but then it's like, well, if I really want to make this happen, I can do it. I can make it happen. Are you willing to put in the work?
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: really what a lot of it is and not like what you said earlier. I really liked and Remind me of what David Lee Roth of Van Halen said on Joe Rogan's podcast. He said, the reason why we got so good is because we loved the rehearsal. They didn't care about the fans. They didn't care about what may come of it. They practiced all the time, and they love. He goes, "You got to love playing in the garage just as much as you love playing in the arena." Mm. You know, and he said, "That's how they got good. They didn't even seek out record labels. They found them because they were they were constantly playing in front of people too. Like they loved to play. So it's kind of like I I too, uh, and I've talked to other artists about this, like." Back in my mid 20s, even probably my late 20s, I always thought, like, I'm just gonna do this one thing, and this one thing's gonna put me in this position, and then I'm gonna be there, and I'm gonna make it. And I realized that that's all bullshit. It's not, (laughs) that's not how it works. Uh, But you gotta love doing it. And when you love doing it, you're you're just gonna love doing it. Like, oh, I need to do this to exist. Mm -hmm. I need to do this as my artistic contribution to things. So, yeah, man, that's beautiful that you guys are able to package your skills like that. And you're working on a poetry book, too? Yeah,
1: that's been a lot of fun. I mean, I spent so many nights in this last week just, like, sitting in front of my computer Mm -hmm. and just, like, shaping this book that I'm working on. And it's all these poems that I've written over the past, like, two or so years and kind of shaping all these different scattered thoughts that were all written during different points in the year and just shaping them into uh, their own story, you know? And, I mean, that, I, I love it. I just have so much fun just sitting there and doing that work all by mm. myself, you know, making this book that, like, at the end of the day, I don't have expectations of anyone really buying it. Like, I don't, I know some people have expressed interest, you know, but, like, if no one does, I will feel so satisfied being able to hold that you know, carbon copy in my hand yeah, and, and and feel it and flip through it and read it and just be like, this is for me. I, I, this is, you know, I did this thing. It's just, it's just that process is just, I just am constantly enjoying just like having something to work on. And that's the thing. It's like if you enjoy it, you know, you've heard it a million times. If you enjoy it, it's not work you know i mean it is work it takes effort it wears me down i get tired by the end of the day but i'm satisfied mm-hmm. it's not like when i work at the restaurant i work at and i come home and i'm just grumpy and, yeah. and like ugh. like i've had trouble going to sleep some nights lately because i'm up all night working on my book and i don't want to go to sleep i'm like having fun or when we're editing like these videos it's just having fun i don't want to stop you know it's and then, but when you're done, you really feel like you earn the right to relax. You really, you've earned your relaxation, but you have this little thing in the back of your head like, ooh, the moment I decide not to relax and go back to work, I, I get, I have fun to do. Like, mm-hmm. you're always having fun. Your relaxation is fun because you've earned it. And you know that when it ends, your fun isn't over. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to go back to doing that thing. And that's what I want to orient my life around. is, like, I'm not trying to make money, but I do want to be able to not have to do a job that I don't enjoy so that I have more time to do the things that I do enjoy and just have the financial security to do it, to not have to worry about, well, I got to put this on hold because I got to go to bed because I got to get up and do this dumb job that means nothing to me. You know, and if it was, if I was getting paid, you know, minimum wage for eight hours a day to, to just sit and work on my book I'd be I'd be pretty happy yeah. I would you know I would still struggle with uh, with structure and I'm sure I'd get distracted distracted you know it would take some some effort there but you know it'd be way better than what I'm doing now
0: we've gotten pretty deep into this there's so many I mean like I've, I'm learning on these we could talk for ten hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> About a variety of things. Um, I guess, I know the future, I mean, the future's never guaranteed for anybody or anyone or anything, but right now, what do you, uh, what are your, uh, maybe creative plans besides stuff you're working with, Brianna, your poetry book? What do you want to take your art here in the future?
1: I, I, I want... To explore everything that I can get my hands on, uh, I, I I just want to I want to try a lot of things. I want to have the freedom and the support to say, you know, I, in a perfect world where you know lockdown isn't an issue or any of that, you know, if that if things go back to normal in that sense, like, I would love to have the means to make an opera, you know, or do uh, w- what my dream was when, and and still kind of is, like, I want to have, like, a theater, or at least some kind of continuing, like, s- space or structure where I can just be like, all right, for the next few months, I'm, I'm doing this opera. It's going to be about this, and I'm going to use it to explore these things that I feel and try to see if I can experiment with having this effect on my audience. You know, I want to create this and see what it does. And then, you know, sometimes, sometimes you just find the thing that you like and you just keep doing it over and over, you know, like there's certain types of uh, uh, elements in music that I really like that I just keep coming back to over and over. You know, and, and I like to sometimes explore something and I find a new element and I'm like, oh, this is, this is awesome. I love the way. And then it just, it just becomes part of your style because you just like it so much. Mm-hmm. I want to explore and find out more like what do I like? What do I enjoy? Like I want to do live shows. I want to, you know, I want to experiment like cutting this type of record. You know, I want to write a novel. I want to mm. explore you know, this type of, like, surrealist novel. I want to paint, you know. I like coloring with pastels. I want to make visual art. I want to, like, do installations, flash mobs, you know, things that I just want to provoke, like, different emotions in people and in myself, too, and, you know, see what what does what. What kind of effect can I have by doing this? Uh, What can I explore? I want to learn saxophone. I want to... It's hard to do all those things when you're poor, when you're broke, when you, you know, so you have to work within the means that you have, but if I was unlimited, I would just mm. do all kinds of stuff. Like I I've started cooking recently. I would love to experiment with different, you know, like I would love to have dinner parties. I would love to have a big kitchen and unlimited money to experiment on ingredients and like making food for people and You know what if that led to like opening a restaurant you know it's like i whatever my i don't feel like i have creative limits and i just want to keep exploring those and so like i don't know when people are like this is ford he's an actor i i wince i'm like no i'm not i don't want to be that i don't want i just want to be you know i want to be make a living doing these kinds of experiments and I think that really, at the end of the day, is just being an artist I'm just wanting to do things to see what, what the, the effect is. Uh,
0: you're constantly exploring your humanity. Like, and you, We were talking on the phone the other day. I don't even know if I mentioned it during this podcast, but you mentioned the concept of taking yourself apart, putting it all on the table. Yeah. Um, maybe this goes more towards humanity and rather than art, but maybe they're the same thing. Like it seems like you're always trying to find out how you tick, what makes you tick, and I think that's that's part of why we're here. Like that's part of our job is to explore that and to try different things. And I mean, even you talking how you just talk, I'm like, man, I'm thinking like, what are things I just have never tried? Like I've never tried and may really really enjoy. I haven't shot archery in a long time, but I'm like, man, that was kind of fun back when I. Maybe I want to go shoot some bows in there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is.
1: It's, it's amazing like... the things we don't try. Like, there are a lot of things that I would like to try, too, that I uh, I don't know why I never have because I've been scared to. And those are usually more active things. You know, creativity is something that comes natural. But when it comes to, like, hiking or exploring or, you know, trying a different kind of sport or skill set or, you know, like I'm a lot more timid to try those things. And I don't know why. Like, I do want to explore, I want to – experience the limits of just experience I want to go through things and I deny myself that opportunity a lot more than than I would like to moving forward um, and I think it's I think I, I think a lot of us want to just know ourselves or learn who we are or mm. I think it was you that said and I have this quote written on my wall but I'm just see if I can remember it it's like the, pur- the purpose of life is to create one oh. or something like that. It's yeah, that, no, that, that sounds effect. good. <laughs> yeah, that was something you said and I, I it, written on my wall. And I think mm-hmm, it's just the yeah. idea of like creating what you want out of your life and discovering what you like and doing those things. And uh, I mean, I've been told that I'm self-absorbed, but I think like in in You know, it used to bother me hearing that just because I'm, you know, obviously sensitive and and have a, you know, a people pleaser and have a, you know, like, I keep my reputation in mind. And like, okay, perhaps that's a little true. But like, you, you are you. Like, explore yourself. Like, pay attention to yourself. Like, it's not that, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to be a little self-absorbed. Like, I pay attention to other people, too. Like, I'm not a complete narcissist. I'm like a lot of us, where it's like, I, I get enamored with myself sometimes. Sometimes I like to look in the mirror, but I mean, it's like, you know, I can recognize that. I I, I want to know what all this is about inside. Like, there's infinite territory to explore inside so yeah i'm gonna pay attention to it a little bit sometimes like it affects how i treat other people if i don't know myself then i'm projecting all this stuff onto other people and then i'm Mm. then i'm expecting to know people and it's like it's hard enough to know yourself let alone knowing a whole entire other person that's a whole universe
0: yeah
1: you know so a lot of people don't know themselves either you know like what kind of person What kind of effective person am I going to be? Whatever you want to say effective is. But like what if I don't, you know, explore what I am and and try to figure that out.
0: I love that you said that because that's something, because that was part of the reason, not the whole reason, but I'm like, oh, well, social media, it's just all ego. It's this, this, and this. And then I'm like, oh, I got to get out of the ego and I got to get rid of it completely. But then you realize like, well, part of the human experience is dealing with the ego because you are you. You are Ford Fanter. I am Sam Dever, like, in these bodies. Those are our names. But it's like, as an artist especially, you got to have a little bit of it, like, of knowing yourself and knowing um, mm-hmm. your uniqueness, if you will.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I think, I think it is okay to have. Like, I used to be totally against it completely, but I think there, I think it's a balance. I don't think you can get overtaken by it. But I think you've got to have
1: a little of it, you well, know? Yeah, I think it goes back to, um, oh shit, I sort of lost my train of thought. Uh, I was going to reference the, the awareness again, but I'm trying to remember in in what way. Um, I mean, he does talk a lot about, like, the idea of, of selfishness. Well, I think it really just comes to, like, why? Why, you know, why am I doing this? Am I just doing this to, to, because it's expected of me? And I think that just comes back to like, I believe that you can believe that you believe something. I think like, you know, anybody could tell me I'm self-absorbed, but my question to them is like, do you believe that you are not? Mm. Do you, or, uh, or, you know, it's like, I think there was a lot of time I was judgmental of people. I was like, this person's self-absorbed. They don't care about other people the way I do.
0: Hmm. It's
1: like, I believed that I believed I cared about people. And, I, and, and there was a certain point where I had to really reflect and be like, do I really care about other people as much as I profess to myself that I do? Am I really as compassionate as I think I am? Like maybe I'm just feeding myself this delusion because I'm supposed to. Because I feel this pressure to be this way, because I aspire to be, because I try to be. You know, like I'm just trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to do. I, you know, I've been in fights with people where I'm like, I'm trying to do the right thing, and I almost feel like it's stupid. Like, like I'm being stupid. Like, it's like you're you're trying against your own self. Yeah. You know, like. I, I don't want you to be someone that you're not, just to please me. Like, then you're just lying to me. Now I'm forced to pick this person that I don't even know who it is. Like, and i i, I thats part of what's that made me feel like my pieces are all on the tables because I'm like really, I'm really trying to get to the bottom in earnest. Like, what do I really believe? you know i think i don't i don't want to get too into this subject but i just think the idea of like abortion people who say that they're pro life people people believe that they don't like abortion cuz they're pro life and i would argue that a lot of them haven't examined are you pro life or are you pro religion are you pro, like what is it really, are you protecting life or are you protecting your God? And I'm not saying one or the other, but I think that's, I've seen incongruencies where it's like, if you really value life, there's other aspects of life that you're ignoring that are getting, that are suffering and that are being taken and uh, being infringed upon. So you, it, it, that's a clue to me that like you believe that you're pro life. You believe that you believe that you are pro life, but maybe you're not. And I'm not trying to say one or the other and I'm not trying to really I'm just it's it's more the process of examining like why do I really think that I think this? Yes. Where does it really come from?
0: We were talking about this the other night and then one thing I talked on the podcast with KC last one I did was this whole experience and obviously all the things going on around the world. The one, one thing I've really like sat with myself with is kind of what you were saying there early, Like, you say you believe something, but why? I've been trying to get down to the why, to my values. To It's so easy, especially now with social media. There's 10 million opinions getting thrown at you All at once, and ah, gosh, what? what Someone quoted something. They said, "It's very easy to form an opinion from the opinions of others, instead of actually doing the homework and the research yourself to know why you have that opinion." And I've I've caught myself on on either end of whatever the topic may be. I'll just watch a bunch of people to see what they think about something, and then my opinion starts to formulate based upon what they've been saying. But I'm like, wait a minute. Have I actually ever really investigated what we're talking about here, or am I just going off what all these other people are saying? <laughs> you know, I caught myself. Like I, I've, yeah. I've, and I still catch myself. It's very easy. It's very
1: easy to have it happen to you. I catch myself doing that too, where I'm like very sure I feel something strongly about something, and then someone I respect says one thing that sounds well thought out, and and just very simply, like, unemotionally motivated, just very, like, well thought out. And I'm like, oh. And then my mind changes. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Well, when you put it that way, okay, now I'm this way. Now I believe this. And, I mean, I, I was thinking about this in terms of, like, I mean, it's just how many people lately, there's a specific subset of our population that says this, but it used to be all of us. At least when I was growing up, said this, America is the greatest country on earth. Mm-hmm. Who in America arrived at that conclusion on their own? If you grew up and no one had ever said that to you, would you have said America is the greatest nation on earth? Mm-hmm. Like People say that you hear that all the time. And it's like there's not a single person that says that because they, I, I don't believe, like. I, and I don't know how you could trust that they did anyway. It's like that is ambient in our culture, in, in American culture, that, that so stand up, do the pledge, you know. And we don't, it's like it's so interesting that we can recognize propaganda from every other nation but our, our own. We, we can't recognize that like, and, and we, it, when every other country does it, it's manipulation, it's brainwashing. Mm. but when america does it it's patriotism it's you know it's we have no concept of being able to like step outside and be like what does this look like to other people objectively what does this look right. like you know it's like no no one in america is patriotic because they grew up with a completely objective lens on things and then did all this analysis and research and re- and discovered like, oh wow, this is really the greatest country in the world. We've just been spoon-fed that our entire lives and we don't ever question it. I mean, we do question it. A lot of people are questioning it now. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people were, you know. I, I just From where I grew up it seemed like no one was, you know. It, it really was this sort of, okay, yeah, but it's got problems, but it's still the greatest country. First of all, that's an opinion. There's a... there's there's a million reasons why other countries maybe have it up on us for one reason or another, and, and you know other benefits that Sweden has and Switzerland and Canada has that we don't. But there's ways in which we're you know uh, you know probably have some legs up uh, over you know uh, Indonesia or you know like, and I'm just talking about government structures i'm not talking about culture uh or just you know resources or, or whatever but i mean it's like we believe you you believe america's the greatest country in the world why because like maybe you believe it but like if you removed all that conditioning and then took what you actually believe about things, honestly, and compared it to what you know about America, would you, really, would you say that? Mm. You know, what you objectively know about America. And that's what I mean when, you, when people are like, believe they believe something. I believe America is the greatest country in the world. It's like, no, you might actually not believe that. You just believe you believe that. But like, you know, I believe that, I, I believe that government tyranny is wrong. You believe that you believe that that, you, that that is more you trying to confirm your identity than it is you trying to stand up for your beliefs. You know because if you believed it, you would risk your identity for it. You know, and I think that's where you see a lot of issues. Like to bring up the case of you know Brianna Taylor, she's the victim of government tyranny, in my opinion. You know. Uh, It's exactly what you hear people talking about I need my gun I'm doing an unfair caricature right now (laughs) You know, that's very biased of me But, you know, there are a lot of people that say I need my gun to protect against government Kicking down my door and killing me And here's an example of the government doing exactly that And those same people explain it away And say that that's, you know that's not the same thing. It's like if you really believed in government tyranny, or if you really believed in that, you would recognize this for what it is, for exactly what it is that you've been professing. But you don't actually believe in that. You believe more in this like version of yourself. It's more protecting your identity because then then you have to, then maybe you have to rebuke this camp that you're in. You have to Mm. say, well, no, you're wrong because because this happened. You know, you, you can't recognize things outside of how they relate to this camp that you're in and you have to stay in that camp. Yeah. And I mean, I do that too. People, you know, uh, on, on more, the more liberal end of the spectrum do that too.
0: You were just saying about the camp though. That, that's kind of what I've been talking to a lot of people too now. It's like, there's, there just seems to be no middle ground of exchange of ideas. It's. Here's everything on this side. Here's everything on this side. If you even cross the line, oh, you're disowned, and you must be on this team now, or you might. If and vice versa, if you say something from the other side, like I I think there's reasonable points maybe on both end. No matter what you're talking about, there's reasonable things on both sides. But I feel like so much division, so much.
1: Yeah, I think one of the issues that I think. Makes that a struggle. I think uh, people boil it down to the idea of polarization, but I think one thing that I've realized is, you know, in, in when you talk about racism, uh, I think there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of ways to understand the issue of racism that are very like complex and in-depth and more a- academic. When I hear people saying that racism doesn't exist, it doesn't take long to have a conversation to them, to realize that they haven't used anything other than their own perceptions of racism to come to that conclusion. And it's like, well, there's, you know, I wouldn't, have di- I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have come up with intersectional feminism on my own. I had to be initiated to that idea but once i understood it i was like oh that is a great idea i wouldn't have thought my own perceptions wouldn't have led me there but when you actually are led there by someone who's done the research who who has really paid attention to the the information and and really taken in everything uh, then you know you 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 get a fuller understanding of what you're dealing with and i i think that you know, when people move to the middle, I, I want to make sure, and I think a lot of like really prudent individuals will also want to make sure that like, well, if you move to the middle, have you considered all this information that we're also trying to disseminate? You know, and I think that's where a lot of the outrage comes. It's like, ah, uh, I don't know that this is that much of a problem. It's like, well, I mean, if you took in all the information that we have available, Maybe you would be more on this side, and it's. I think it's frustrating to to watch people play devil's advocate when they mm. like haven't really given a full uh, look at really some of the, the, the really compelling academic appeals for mm. one thing or the other. Uh, I don't know if that's making sense. Or no, it makes complete sense
0: because it's it's, and I see it. No matter what issue you're talking about or what quote-unquote side you're looking at, I feel like both of them always have an automatic answer. Devil's advocate of what you just said. Like, there's always, uh, well, but this, you know, type of thing. But it's like, well, sometimes things are what they are. Maybe sometimes. right? And that's kind of what I've been trying to like. Look, there's, I think there's times where something doesn't get reported exactly may how it happened maybe it does get blown up by the media maybe it's not but then sometimes no maybe that actually just happened right you know what i mean so like that's why i get so confused because i'm like i think some stuff is completely blown out of the water and people are freaking out over nothing but then i think sometimes like no that's really bogus that (laughs) that actually happened
1: i think the frustration comes from the fact where it's like well i'm in the middle i'm on the fence and it's like you're on the fence because you haven't really looked at everything. Like, we've answered these questions. We've an- we have answers to this. You know, anytime someone brings up black-on-black crime, it's like, the issue is not that we don't have an answer to that. The issue is that you haven't researched it. You don't understand. Like, we already, we're already past that. We already know that's not a thing. Okay? So, like, stop going onto the middle because of this. Stop resisting. It's like, we have answers for that. We've solved that problem. We don't need to talk about it anymore you know and it's that's all that's doing is exposing what you've refused to to hi, raise your understanding and awareness of and that's a you problem and mm. i think that's where the polarization has gotten to is that i think on both sides people feel like we've already covered all the ground we know the answers right and then it just i think then it just comes down to a, an issue of values what do you value you know and, and that's where The understanding, I think, is becoming difficult is because we can, you know, we can't be more accepting of each other's values. It's because we have the information and and it's like there may be information on this side and, and, you know, we've exhausted all the ideas so everything seems solid as a rock and really what we're disagreeing on is not the information, it's our values. It's like what do we uh, find more important? And so like you can try and convince someone with information all day long but the really what you're the reason you're not getting through to them is because you're trying to talk to someone as if they have the same values as they as you and they don't. And we confuse that all the time because we we say all of us try to say life matters. But one of us or some of us or some portion of us doesn't actually realize that we don't value life. We say we do because we believe we do. We believe that we believe we do, but we don't, you know. All lives matter. No, you you know, and even on the other side, you know, people who say Black Lives Matter, they don't really believe it, you know. Mm. Plenty of white people, I think, plenty of us have said Black Lives Matter because we are, we believe that we believe that. But if we really believed it, it's like that like, uh, thing we talked about the other day. My friend was called me in the middle of the night. She was like, I, uh, "Help me! I'm being attacked!" I shoot out of bed. I I, I would I would be, be because I care about that person. I you know, whatever the motivation is, whether it's selfish or not, it, altruistic, I care about that person. I can't stand the idea of them not being there. That life matters to me. If a stranger called me up and said, "I need you to come here and help me." I'm being murdered. I'd be like, I'm not going there. I'm going to get killed too. I'll call the police. I'll do what I can. But if that life, you know, I got to prioritize, you know, I'm not putting myself in danger. I don't even know this person. You know, where are the values? I think it's okay to, you know, before we try to change our values, we got to know what they are. Otherwise, then we're just... Then we don't know what we're doing, and I think that is where sometimes you have to accept looking like a bad person. And I, I do respect people that like say what they feel, uh, even if they're going to get potentially lambasted for it.
0: All right, man. Well, that's that's a lot to sit on. Yeah, (laughs) a lot to chew on.
1: There's Um, a a lot. We could go on and on for. Days, I'm sure. Days and hours. Uh, Because I'm just learning things just about what I think just by articulating them. And I'm just making discoveries as we're talking. So it's always, I love to do it. I love to just expand and try to work out and solidify and understand where am I at in life right now?
0: Yeah, man, it's good to have these conversations because this is where I am. Hopefully, we'll both walk away from this because already, like, as I was changing out a <laughs> camera battery, I'm like, man, something you just said just really made me think about something in a different way. And I think, I think that's part, too. Like, I just want to be able to have healthy conversations, mm-hmm. whether we go into it not seeing it the same way or seeing, seeing it the same way, but like, actually having these conversations is going to make us maybe think about some things yeah. we haven't thought about.
1: You mm-hmm. and I come from very similar demographics in mm-hmm. life. So, it, you know, sometimes it might feel safer to mm. have that kind of communication. You know, it, it definitely gets scarier trying when you try to communicate to people that have come from vastly different realms than you, and it's hard to understand them. And that's, I mean, that's where the real work is. That's where the real challenge is. And I think it's important to, to recognize that, that, like, you know, we come from a very similar conditioning, so we're going to, probably find common ground a little more easily and that does not negate the opportunities that you have with other people that are way more different you know it may be harder to find common ground but that doesn't mean it's not possible and that's what i'm you know trying my best to do and to be open-minded to but it's hard sometimes
0: as we close i asked this in my last podcast is Terms of the future of humanity or the world. I mean, do you think that's one of the keys is to p- people for people to be open-minded?
1: Uh, uh, that's a lot to go into because I am at a point where I'm wondering if how important the future of humanity even is. You know,
0: that'll be covered in part two part of the two. podcast because I think that'll be about a four-hour
1: conversation. Yeah, I got a lot to say on that subject. Okay, uh, but
0: okay well brother thank you so much man this is a true treat
1: yes to have done this in
0: this spot here Mm -hmm. in griffith
1: park uh great out here feels great
0: yeah man and uh where where can they find you again where can people look you up at
1: instagram at ford fanter uh you could probably find some of my stuff on youtube too i think it's just ford fanter uh that's about it That's
0: f-o-r-d-f-a-n-t-e-r All right, man. What can we expect to see from Ford Fanter next?
1: You'll just have to look me up and find out. It's a surprise. (laughs) All right, brother. Man,
0: pleasure. Love you, man.
1: Love you too, buddy.
0: I'll see you next time.